You're listening to the Toy Photographers Podcast, the official podcast of toyphotographers.com. On this show, we talk to people around the world who are turning Lego, action figures, miniatures, custom creations, and more into amazing works of art. Welcome to the Toy Photographers Podcast. Uh, this is Shelly, your host for today's episode, and I am super excited to have with me um, Danny Newman. <laughs> Danny Newman also goes by has has two different Instagram accounts: the Super Newmans and Cantina Danny. Did I get that right? You got it right. Okay, and my apologies, everyone. This is my first interview. A little nervous, so um, we're just gonna roll with this one. This one. So here we go. Welcome, Danny. So happy to have you. Thank here. you. Happy to be here. So I wanted to start with you because with on this my 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 interview sort of um, journey is because I'm such a big fan of your account. Oh, thank you. Uh, number one fan. I'm sure you have <laughs> others, but uh, I. The ingenuity, the toys, the storyline, the 365, the exhibitions, I mean, all of it. Super, I just want to share that with a wider audience. So thank you for coming on board. Thank you. Um, This is always, you know, in my mind, sort of just evolved from a hobby. So to think that there are, uh, there's anybody else besides myself that's, you know, sort of getting a kick out of it. That's, you know, that's, that's wonderful. That's music to my ears. I'll I'll sing your praises throughout the show. <laughs> There'll be more. I don't know that. how to take a compliment, so, so if I just get like tongue tied and I'm blushing over here, just bear with me. Sounds good. We'll just that's the way we're gonna do it. So I just you have a really unique style, and I'm really curious what is your background in photography and what has attracted you to the toys in particular. Well, I I honestly don't have much of a uh, a photography background if we're talking about like formal training all i can really say is that you know i've been i've been working um you know as a graphic designer for many many years and you know as part of my job um i collaborate with professional photographers on a regular basis direct photo shoots etc and so just through observation um i've picked up a few things here and there about you know the basics of photography. Um, but other than that, it's, it's, I'm not really technical with it. I, I, I would shy away from having any in-depth conversation about the m- minutia of photography because I would, I would fail that conversation horribly. I know how to use my camera to capture the things that I need to capture. And that's about it. Um, but you know, I've I've always been interested in art and being creative and in in creating imagery and making things. And so, the photography just kind of evolved as as an extension of my action figure collecting hobby. Um, I I've always been a fan of action figures um, since since I was a little kid, and you know, it's just like one of those things I can't let go. And so now, as an adult. Um, uh, you know, kind of to scratch this creative itch. Um, it's be you know the 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 action figures have become kind of the you know the subject matter the the you know the um the the, the 
the props, the models that I, I that I am able to use um, to make things. Um, and so, you know, that's that's kind of the, that's kind of the basics of how the two came together. So they're a vehicle for your stories. They're a vehicle for my stories. Yes, exactly. And it's and it's kind of like my grown up way to keep playing with my toys. But you know, it's like I I, I get the toys and I you know, either put them in a display case or, you know, pack them away in a tub, which most action figure collectors can relate to. And I guess I've, I want to do more than that with them. Um, and I'm not, I'm not hesitant to use the word play. Um, you know, so it's just kind of like a grown up way to continue interacting (laughs) with these things that I love. Well, the stories are fabulous. So, um, You have a lot, like I mentioned, a lot of unique toys, and it feels like you have a lot of vintage toys, and you have a lot of custom toys, and I'm thinking the Colin... Kaepernick? Help me. (laughs) Colin Kaepernick toy, which I I love that that action figure, and I love him when you bring him out, and and the the Prince, and the Foursome, the Fab Four. So those are... So... Can you talk a little bit about um, about that and where that where that's coming from? Yeah, sure, sure. Um, yeah, if you don't mind me, I'll start at the beginning with that. You know, um, I, I I do have a lot of vintage toys. I collect vintage three and three quarter inch action figures. That's kind of my my shtick, my focus. And um, so I like to use those as uh, the subject matter of my photography. When I started uh, concepting out the Super Newman's project, I knew because of the scale of it, I was going to need the, an action figure that had more than your basic level of articulation. It was going to need to be more than just like a vintage Star Wars figure style of articulation. Because if I was going to take 365 photos, I needed some flexibility with the figure's posability. So before you go too far into that story, just back up just a little bit and just say what that 365 was, because it was epic. Yeah, so a few years ago, um, kind of in just an effort to force myself to be, to create things, to create photographs on a more consistent basis, I decided that it would help me to have a set right in my studio. Like, like the figures and the, and the environment and all that was like right next to my computer. Because before that, I was doing a lot of action figure photography outdoors. Um, taking, you know, shots like out in the environment. And I was finding I just wasn't doing that as much because of all of the various challenges you have to shooting outdoors. I live in Phoenix, Arizona. I mean, you can't lay on the pavement in the middle of the summer and photograph action figures here. Um, So in an effort to just be more productive, I wanted to have a set right here next to my computer that I could work with, and that would help me to just be more productive, create more photographs. So that evolved. So so then so then the idea for the Super Newman story came about. You know, like what would what would everyday life be like for a superhero couple when you know they're not out saving the world? Just kind of like the mundane day to day. And so I asked a friend of mine 
um, we'll, we'll talk about in just a second, if he would consider making me custom action figures based on Superman and Lois Lane, although I never refer to them as Superman and Lois Lane, they're always Mr. and Mrs. Superman. Um, if he would make me customs of those characters, but using vintage G.I. Joe figure parts and pieces. And the reason why is because vintage G.I. Joe figures have a more advanced level of articulation. I, there's way more options to pose a vintage G.I. Joe figure than there is to pose, a, say, a Star Wars figure. Um, and so that's kind of the genesis of using that style of action figure for my projects moving forward. But get it, getting back to the Super Newman, so I so it really wasn't going to be a 365. It was just going to be you know a series of photos, you know. So so I went and I got this vintage Fisher Price dollhouse that I knew my sister had when she was a kid, and I got all the furniture and I furnished it. And my friend Pierre uh, finished up the customs of Mr. and Mrs. Super Newman. Um, Pierre is is a, is a friend of mine. He is a an amazing action figure customizer. I I'm fortunate to be friends with a number of fabulous action figure customizers. Pierre just happened to really excel at G.I. Joe's. And so I, I reached out to him, asked him if he would be willing to help me with this, and he was completely on board. And he has been, um, he has helped me with so much since then. I'm, I'm sure we'll probably talk about that a little bit more. But so, so, I get, so I get these figures from Pierre. I'm blown away. I've got this dollhouse that I just furnished. And I realized all of this prep work that went into this project, it just, it, it needed to be something more. It needed to be something bigger. And so the idea of a 365 kind of, you know, came into my brain and then I couldn't let it go. And I'm a little bit type A and I um, floated the idea by my wife and she was completely supportive and said, go for it. And I made the commitment to myself. And so then it just became a matter of, um, I, you know, giving myself a little head start. I took a month's worth of photographs just so I'd have, you know, I, I'd have a little bit of a buffer. Uh, I took, so I took that first month and I started posting and, um, I went through, I, I went the entire year. I never missed a day and, uh, it became, you know, it became this story called at home with the super Newmans. It is, it's a fabulous story. I, I enjoyed it. I think I came in around halfway through the year and so many classic images and just those, you really capture just those little moments of time in the everyday life, like ironing his cape, you know, I, I walking the dog. I don't know. I'm sure images come to mind, but they're just, they're just wonderful, glorious little peeks into this life. How did you feel when it ended, though? I, I hear a lot of kind of oh. people drop off the deep end after they get done with that kind of story. Um, it, it was a huge relief when it ended um, because, there, I, I will not lie, it was, it was a huge undertaking <clears throat> and it consumed the year. It really did. I would come home from work and I'd run upstairs and I, I would just yell to my family, I got to go work on shots. I got to go work on shots. And so honestly, I mean, it was bittersweet, of course. By, by the end, you know, it had gained, you know, quite a few followers. It got some press towards the end. And it, it sounds probably silly, but, you know, you form kind of like this bond, this connection with these characters. 
like I'm trying to bring them to life. I mean, that's the point of the photography and the story. But it almost go, it almost transcends that a little bit, and they become part of your like, you know, your real family. And so, so it was bittersweet that it that it came to an end. Um, but honestly, after such a massive undertaking, it was a relief. I was I was pretty happy that last day just to kind of n- know that for the next however long I didn't have to rush home and work on shots. <laughs> <laughs> I'm because a 365, and especially one as complicated as the one that you created, I I can imagine you had some support with that. Sounds like your family was gave you plenty of room to do the photographs every day. Was there any anywhere else that they stepped in to help out with? Um, yeah, like I mean, if my wife, she's really you know she's really good with little crafty type stuff, and I mean for everything from Mrs. Super Newman's skirt, which she made and last, which lasted the entire year, which which says something for the quality of it, to you know little just little doodads, little accessories that I would need. Um, she was always on board to help, but just the support of it. Never was there a time where they were like rolling their eyes, you know, and kind of grumbling at the time it was taking. Um, but they're also good when I would get stuck for ideas because honestly, that's the hardest part of, 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 of that project, just coming up with constant ideas for photographs. And so, you know, sometimes you just hit the wall, you've got nothing left and you need a little, you need to, you know, just get a little help coming up with, you know, some concepts. So you're sitting around the dinner table going, what's, what am I going to do next guys? Help me out. Yeah. Let's brainstorm. 100%. 100%. And, and you know, my, my stepson, he's he's great. You know, he, you know, probably at the time he was about seven or eight. And, you know, they're free thinkers, <laughs> just throwing out crazy ideas. But, you know, sometimes there's like grains of great ideas in there. And so, for sure, some of them came to life as well. Did you ever do anything with the project beyond just Instagram with it? During, during that year, um, a local art curator started showing some of my earlier work uh, around town here in Phoenix. And once we realized the Super Newmans was, was getting close to ending, um, this, this curator, his name is Robert Pela. Robert um, found a venue for me and um, put on um, a final Super Newman show that showed all 365 shots. So it was it was quite an undertaking to set that up. Um, we filled the gallery. All all the walls of the gallery were uh, were five leveled five rows deep all the way around all the walls of of all of these shots. And then we had an opening reception, and it was and I Shelley, I don't even know how to describe this. this. Is like one of the best experiences of my life. So many people came out to this show. And it was buzzing, and and just to stand there and and see people just interacting with the work and looking and picking out their favorites and saying which ones they they related to and this and that and I I can't even describe the 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 joy that I had that night. It was just it was just a fantastic way to cap it off and to like feel like not that all that work was worth it, but at least there was this kind of you know this this culmination um at the end of it it sounds like a really beautiful evening it was it really was i so so, I, so before it opened 
Okay, A, it's, let's just take a moment and just imagine having to print or order, mount, hang on the wall, 365. I like right there, I'm like, my mind is like exploding. But then once it's done and all the hard work is done, you're standing in the middle of it and you're looking at all four walls and how did you feel? Oh, amazing, amazing. You know, um, because... It's the first time that I was a- able to just like stand in one place and see the whole thing, and 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 I and I, I don't say this in any sort of like you know braggadocious way or whatever, but it's it it's it became a huge body of work, um, and to sort of scan over it and just remember it, you know, the different parts of the year when you worked on this shot. And I remember I had the flu when I worked on that shot and, you know, just all of these memories came, came flooding back. Um, it, it was a real sense of, of accomplishment and it was just, it was a tremendous experience. I can't imagine a better ending for the, for the super Newmans. Thank you. I mean, I, I, I couldn't I couldn't have written a better story than that. <laughs> it was pretty perfect, and I, I you know whether or not it, it was deserved. I, I'm not going to comment on any of that, but I, I got lucky, and I, you know, um, like I said, this curator Robert was really good to me and was very excited about it as well. And I, you know, I just I just count my blessings on that one. A celebration of a job well done. Thank you. And it, it is part of the the. I mean, I have a real love-hate relationship with Instagram. I mean, there, it's given me much yeah. and added so much to my life, but it's everything is so ephemeral. Yeah. And to be able to take this amazing year of your life, blood, sweat, and tears, flu, all of it, and put it on the wall and appreciate that, I mean, that, I mean, what a gift. Yeah. yeah. Of course, now I want the book. <laughs> I We did make, I did make some copies of of the whole project and i made i made a book using like what what like what the heck was that resource some online um tool to make to make books and i made like i don't know 10 or 20 copies of the book and i brought them to the show and, and, and it was expensive to make it because like that's a lot of pages and they start charging by the page um so i made as many as i could afford to make and and every single one of them sold, um, which was really cool as well. And, you know, people asking you to sign them and stuff. It was just, it, it was sort of surreal. And I don't know. I, I'm so glad you had that experience. Thank you. It's really. You. But I've noticed on your timeline that you still do stories, but they're not as long. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's for sure. Um, I don't know if I'll ever kind of task myself with something that has such a hard deadline with such, such a relentlessly hard deadline, you know? Um, but honestly, after the super Numas, I kind of was like, well, I don't know what to do. And there was, you know, a few months of kind of taking a break, but also like panic. Like, I don't know where to go from here because it's just so all consuming, um, but, you know, after a while I, I realized that probably the next thing I should do is kind of like, kind of a bridge type thing, like not completely unrelated to the Super Newman's project, but 
different characters, different story, but you know, same same scale, same type of action figure. It, you know, and and that's that's eventually you know the 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 beginnings of the uh, Quiet Life of G Rider um, storyline, which I I also adore, as you know, since I have one and I'm waiting for my next <laughs> <Thank> one. <you. laughs> we'll, make, we'll make that happen. <laughs> so. I can't help but think that G Rider is somewhat autobiographical. Am I reading in too much in that? That's a that's a good question. Obviously, the Super Newmans were somewhat autobiographical, um, but but not a hundred percent. You know, like it's not meant to be a self portrait. And G Rider, there's aspects to G Rider that are me a hundred percent. And, and, and there is reactions and emotions and body language and experiences that do reflect real-life situations. I guess we should probably back up for our audience and just clue them in on who we're talking about and maybe a brief overview of, of the first 20 and then the second, the second stage of his, of his life. So with the Super Newmans, it was loosely based on Superman and, and Lois Lane. Again, we sort of never called them that, just you know, just because I don't know why. I mean, obviously they're they're th- those characters. And G Rider is obviously based on Ghost Rider, even though I never call him Ghost Rider. Um, and so these are these are licensed characters that I'm essentially creating fan art of. Um. I'm I'm almost doing that, and for sure I did it with the Super Newmans, just to not have to explain who this character is, what their powers are, what they're capable of, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I just wanted that to be a given, so that when when Mr. Super Newman is painting the walls and he doesn't need a ladder to reach the high spots, people understand that yes, this character can fly. Like I didn't want to have to have a character that I completely made up and then have to explain all the superpowers, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that was my original impulse with, with at least the Super Newmans. G-Rider was more of like, okay, who's the most scary, menacing, terrible character that, you know, that I have an affinity for? Well, this guy with this flaming skull that's a spirit of vengeance and, you know, is, you know, sold his soul to the devil. because what I what I enjoy doing is taking a character like that and completely humanizing it and making people see the other side to this character, like like and and so and so the basic storyline became well what happens if you are a spirit of vengeance and you spend your whole life absorbed in your career and and then you retire and realize that you never had anything else, no family, no real hobbies be outside of work and so 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 g rider part one starts with him at his retirement party and then the next couple shots are just him like having dusted his apartment and 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 sitting at his kitchen table with a cup of coffee staring into space just like oh, what now and um and so part one you know the story follows along that he he gets a flyer in the mail for a pet adoption and he goes to the pet adoption and there happens to be this dog um, that's also a skeleton. I'm sorry, I love that image. <laughs> I just, I it's my favorite one. <laughs> and so they lock eyes, and obviously that's the dog that G. Ryder's going to adopt. And so, and so he does, and, and the rest of that story basically becomes G. Ryder and this dog, which I nicknamed Hambone, 
um, just just having fun together and like you know forming this relationship and G Rider discovering something in his retirement that you know is 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 like opening up this new side to him, this softer side. And so, and so before you know it, G Rider's baking a cake and letting the dog lick the spatula, you know, like little stuff like that. That's the type of photograph I really enjoy doing, you know, um, putting these otherworldly, larger than life characters in very human scenarios. You do it really well. Thank so you. what happens in two? So in part two, uh, G Rider realizes that the vengeance pension doesn't go very far. And he's hard up for cash. You know, he's looking at his bank statement and everything's, you know, dire. And so he starts thinking about uh, an idea for a side hustle. And so he decides to open a bed and breakfast. Um, the, the Quiet Life Inn. Um, and... And on, on, on the sign that he eventually installs in the, in the front lawn, it says, you know, at the bottom, in, I-N-N, corporeal, in corporeal, which, which was a very subtle way of me saying, like, anybody can come with, with G-Rider. They can be living, they can be dead, they can be, you know, a, a, a historical character, they can be a fictional character, it doesn't matter. Anybody can come stay with G-Rider. So G-Rider Part 2 was really about all of the different characters that come and stay with G Rider while he's running this bed and breakfast. And then at the, at the end, um, some people come to visit him that were like his old colleagues that he used to work with. And these old colleagues decide they're going to do a little, uh, a little kind of like guys trip. They're going to go rafting. And so they drag G Rider along and he ends up going rafting with his friends. And, and at the very end he's, you know, he's decided to, put up a wall of photos of all the people he, you know, he had an, you know, he, he met and befriended during his, you know, during this um, time where he was running the bed and breakfast. The, I just remember that image coming up and just the emotions that that brought up. What kind of reaction do you get from your audience with these? There's two different audiences. There's the Instagram audience. And then if I'm lucky enough to exhibit um, these stories, w- w- which I've been lucky enough to to exhibit both part one and part two, it, it's different. It's a different experience. the the Instagram The Instagram audience is a little bit more clued in to what's going on. You know, there's a lot of fellow action figure photographers. There's a lot of pop culture nerds um, that sort of inherently get what's happening here and can get right into the, can fall right into the story without getting hung up on what, you know, what is this? And, and I guess what I'm trying to say is like, you know, my experience has been with, with, with exhibits when people come in and see this work fresh without any background or prompt, it's hard to understand what it is. Um, it's, it's hard to understand that these are toys, that they're, they're three and three quarter inches tall, that all the accessories are scaled to match, that it's done with macro photography and, and all done in camera. And, and there's an actual story. If you take the time to look at it, you know, in a linear way, and so I, you almost have to stand next to the exhibit and explain it to people as they come and look at it. 
and then the light bulb goes off, and then they are able to relate to it or interact with it on on the level of the story, and they can appreciate it in a, in a complete, you know, in a completely different way. The Instagram crowd sort of doesn't need that, you know, um, explanation. You know, they can jump right in. And, you know, I have to say that my experience posting photography on Instagram has been wonderful. There's, there's a tremendous level of support and um, interaction and just, just likes and loves and, and all that that comes with posting each picture. And when people actually get invested in the story and, and, and comment on the photograph saying that they're, they're looking forward to the story, they're looking forward to the next shot, they're anticipating what it, where the story might be going. I mean, how wonderful is that? Here's something that's just like a creative outlet for me to, you know, and, and other people that I don't even know are relating to it on some level and enjoying it and looking forward to it. I can't just, I mean, that's what more can I, you know, uh, you know, hope for That's wonderful. And I, and I, I'm very grateful for, for, for that, for all the, you know, all the people that follow along. That, that's absolutely fascinating about the two different audiences and recognizing that there are two different people, those who get it and do not need an entree into our crazy world and those that you have to literally just take them by the hand and tell them, yeah, people do this <laughs> and we have fun doing it. I, I was recently part of a, a juried exhibition here in Phoenix um, and I was very very lucky to to have been selected to participate in this exhibit and i i um exhibited g rider part two and i did them on i pre, I, I created five inch by five inch tiles of all 25 shots and i laid them out in a five by five grid and you know this this particular exhibit um covered covered the, the full gamut of you know artistic expression, um, large paintings, um, performance art, um, s- some some photog- some other photography. I mean, just everything. The, you know, the, there there wasn't like a, a specific genre or medium. And so, you know, it was re- it was it was a wonderful experience, but it was the the, the best. You know. <laughs> I guess what I'm trying to say is is what what I just explained to you. People would come and they'd look at it and they'd kind of smile and they'd kind of cock their head a little bit and sort of move on. But if I was standing there and I would engage them and say, "Can I explain to you what I've done here?" and I would take 5 or 10 minutes or whatever to to explain it, it was a completely different experience. Um and so yeah, so it's I don't know. I guess just to reinforce this conversation we're having about the two different audiences, that was a that was the most recent, you know, kind of time something like that happened. That's a a lot of work and a lot of educating and exhausting. Yeah, yeah, but you know, I don't know. It's <laughs> it, like for for me, I'm just like <laughs> I'm just over the moon to be there. You know, I'm like I don't know how they let me in, but I'm going to take full advantage of this. I think it's great. I, I mean, I've done enough exhibiting, and I know that there is a there is a certain amount of people who will come in and they'll look and they'll kind of roll their eyes and move on. And I'm like, that's, that's cool. Fine. 
that's yeah. you you do you and then the people who will come in and they'll like yeah and they'll like get it and then like okay you're my people <laughs> come let's let's commune let's talk and uh, but you do a lot yeah. of educating like yes. this is what we do there's a huge community out here that does this there's every action figure or kind of toy that you can you right. can want to plug into we'll happily show you how to do it but there's a lot there's just a lot of that that goes along and it's a big wide world out there that's right yeah a hundred percent I think it's interesting that you say that the people online are understand who your characters are. And full confession, <laughs> I have no idea who any of them are. I've never, no idea. I, but I, I guess I'm one of those people that is happy to just suspend my, my disbelief and just <laughs> yeah. like roll with it. And I just figure there's a reason why. But um, have we just, have we talked about the inspiration? I think we touched on. How much of this is is you, and how much of this is just... Yeah. I guess we all sort of know that, you know, kind of artistic maxim that, you know, especially for writers, like, you have to write what you know. Um, I I sort of feel it's kind of similar with, with telling these little stories via photography and action figures. Like, um, when they are based on things that I can either relate to or things that I've experienced, I think it makes, it helps me to capture the emotion and convey um, the story better. um, Opposed to if I'm just trying to sort of make something up that I've never experienced myself. And so like for, you know, the G writer part, you know, Part two, I've never run a bed and breakfast, so I kind of had to, you know, wing that. But part one, where he adopts a dog, I, I, I never had a, uh, pets growing up, but, you know, about three years ago, I got my first dog, and I never thought I wanted one, but it turns out it's, like, my favorite thing ever. And so that relationship kind of between a new dog owner and, and their dog and sort of the love at first sight and the bond that grows, that I could, I could convey that because... I had recently experienced it. The last one, is it part three? Yeah. The, that that story feels like an archetype, and it's a universal archetype. Just, I mean, we've all been there. We've all been the one that's been the the character that's that's made fun of on the outs, not part of the in crowd. And that reconciliation and being able and the bucket list. Oh my god, it was in tears by the time that one ended. Uh, yeah, you know, I take you know, I bring my, I take, I get my notebook and I go to the coffee shop and I sit there and I just stare into space and I start jotting down ideas for a potential story. Um, like obviously, I knew I wanted to do part three to G Rider, but I didn't know what that looked like, and so. You know, over the course of a couple of weeks, I would just jot down ideas as to what the story could entail. And I mean, I've got my, I actually have my notebook in front of me, and I was kind of going over it just to see like some of the notes I had jotted down, like, you know, travel, hobby, pastime, um, an illness, maybe G Rider volunteers. Like, and I have all these different organizations he was potentially going to volunteer with. And then somewhere in this list of notes, I had resolve conflict with old enemy. And then another idea next to that, death of a friend. And I think 
when I started going back over these to see if any of these had legs, just that, just the resolving the con, the, the reconciliation story, coupled with the death of a friend. <laughs> I don't know. It just, I settled on it, and the story just rolled out. Um, I, I had introduced that character. It's a different custom, but it's the same character. In the very in G Rider Part One, very first shot at the retirement party, he's the character that's giving G Rider the gold watch. And so, knowing that I was going to, he was going to be a main character in Part Three, I did a new custom of him. I wrote down one through twenty-five, and I just started filling in, filling in the story, filling in the outline. The props on this one are, are fabulous. Love, love the the um. What what like do you call the world? The, no, the, the... yeah, whatever that yeah, is. That it. carnival ride that I could never go on <laughs> nowadays. Spin and puke, spin and puke. That's what <laughs> yeah, you call seriously. <laughs> that that I walked on that out on that one. I was, you know, I read like all of these lists of like one thousand bucket list items that you should consider, but whatever. And I I would just read through these lists and I would like write down the ones that I thought would be a good potential for the story. And just kind of the basic roller coaster um, idea I, I had jotted down, and I could not, for the life of me, find uh, in scale roller coaster car or track or anything even remotely close to that, which bummed me out. So that was like that was a shot I really wanted to do. Um, but in searching, I found that Playmobil made that like tilt a whirl or whatever it is. Um, playset and i found it it wasn't expensive at all and i was like okay i'm whether this is going to work or not i'm going to get it and so i got it um put it together i did have to take the bottom part of the leg off of both g rider and and the other character mr fisto just to fit them in the car but once i did that they fit perfect and um and then yeah it became this really fun shot to set up with the lights and 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 all of that it's it's a great photo. Thank you. Uh, I I guess we should talk about photography just a little bit. Done the stories, love the stories. Uh, quick question on the books, on your idea books. Words, pictures, both. Um, words, words. I mean, I know this is this is a podcast that's and you're not going to be able to see any of this. I'm just holding up my notebook. I mean, it's just yeah, I just write down write down ideas and. Um, so what comes first, the uh, the prop, the ideas, and then you it's, find the props? It's it's Not the, the ideas. Props first. In a case like this, um, I write down, like I said, I write, I number it one through twenty-five, and you know, I with a pencil and eraser, I eventually fill in the full outline, um, and then I start getting more specific. I start giving myself little to-do lists next to the title of the shot, like source a roller coaster or create this custom character or a million different things. And so, and so I, so it's really the story first in this case, and then let's find the props. Let's create the, the diorama, the setting or whatever. And uh, finger in it with like fingers crossed that I can pull it off. You pulled it off. Trust me. So you've been doing this seven, eight years, more than that. Oh boy. Um, I think that's fair. Yeah, that sounds that sounds about right. I mean, I dabbled in, you know, like I, like oh man, how long's it been? It's probably been twelve or thirteen years ago. I I blogged a bit for Action Figure Insider, 
which is uh, an online, which is a website um, dedicated to action figure collecting. And when I would blog for Action Figure Insider, I would do a lot of photography to accompany my blog posts. And I, I think a lot of it, you know, kind of sort of sprung from that. You know, the photographs sort of got more and more involved. I started enjoying just the, that aspect of it more and more. And then it became kind of its own thing. Have you noticed seeing your photography skills grow? Yes, definitely. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I mean, I look back at stuff from seven, eight, or ten years ago, and I just like, oh my gosh, hide that, put that somewhere, no one will find it ever. Uh, <laughs> but that's, I think, with everybody, you know, with any, anybody um, pursuing a creative um, outlet, you do it long enough, and you put enough time and effort into it, you're going to grow, and and you're going to get better, and and so I remember when I moved from the Super Newmans. To, to, the, to the next projects, I was very relieved that I, would, that I would finally have time to finesse each photo more. With the Super Newmans, it was like, idea, set, photograph, get it done. And of course, I tried my best to do nice photographs, but I wasn't like belaboring the lighting and the composition as much as I would have liked to. So I knew when I started like G Rider, I paid way more attention to the lighting of every shot and just getting every little single detail perfect for for me at that time. And that just continues to evolve each time you start a new project, I think. Nice. Um, so what kind of camera did you use? Uh, so I have a Canon um, 5D Mark II and uh, I've got a 100 millimeter macro lens. Solid. That's a nice setup. Yeah, I mean, it's... Nothing, nothing super fancy. I it need it. It is overdue for a trip to the camera shop to be cleaned out. You know, got some dust and spots that I am constantly retouching in photographs. So one of these days. Do you have uh, a dedicated light setup that you're using too? Oh my God, Shelly, you would you would cringe if you saw my what I use. I have I have like half a dozen vintage tensor desk lamps that I have. Uh, parchment paper rubber banded around just for diffusers and that's my lights perfect perfect <laughs> that's fabulous i love to hear that because some of you are like oh i have to have the fanciest light i have to have this and i'm like i mean like seriously we're talking macro photography here you do not need to impress your client <laughs> I, I i've been tempted by what is what is that light that everybody's using now i i the Loom and the Lytra, that's yes. one of the ones, yeah. Either oh, one of them. I've had that shopping cart filled many a time, and I've just never done it. Um, and I think because this is working for me, I don't know, maybe I'm just being dumb and I should just get that and no, no. take it to another level or something. But but yeah, I like these old Tensor lamps because they're, um, they're like mini soft boxes, kind of, you know, for our scale of models. <laughs> no, absolutely. I think that's great. I think that's a really awesome way to to handle it, especially then you've got it all set up. And you is your dedicated little area still there that you started with the Super Newmans? Uh, yes, and I'm sitting in it right now. I mean, I just have this little desk area and a little like kind of light box and a ta- and a and a kind of movable table over here. And between it all, I just tether up my camera and somehow make it make it work in this very small space. Nice. Which is another. I mean, you know, you 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 know, like I. <laughs> 
it's like the smaller the better as far as I'm concerned. I live in a pretty small condo and so um at a certain point I had to limit my action figure collecting to like just three and three quarter and nothing bigger because like there's no room to store it and it just, you know, takes over takes over. And so I imagine I imagine there's similar advantages to working with Lego. Like it's you know, it's manageable. I, it's so true. I I look at people who have those twelve inch, and I'm like, they're beautiful, and they're very lifelike, and they're fabulous. But a the cost, and b where am I gonna put it? Seriously, yeah. I know, I know. I can, Lego, just put it in the drawer. Just it, <laughs> go away, hide. Yes, perfect. Yeah. Oh my gosh, you know, Danny, thank you so much for sharing your process oh. and. And the thought that goes behind these photos, this has been fascinating. So I just wanted to like sort of wrap up and ask you one last question, which is, sure. so what aspect of your toy photography experience has been the most meaningful for you? Um, you know, I think I touched on it before when I was, when I've talked about kind of being a fly on the wall at like, say an exhibit, you know, um, and seeing people come in, they don't know who, who I am. And I get to observe complete strangers, inter, you know, experiencing and interacting with my photographs for like the first time. And to watch people kind of like, you know, have the light bulb moment where they kind of are figuring it out. And, and then the smile, and, and then they turn to the person they're with and they, you know, start talking about how they can relate to what's happening or, or what just, just being a passive observer of other people experiencing your art um, is the best. It's really cool. And uh, I can't put, you know, I can't put a value on that. Being able to touch people with your art. It's an amazing, amazing experience and being able to watch that and be the fly on the wall yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I totally understand that. And watching their faces light up. Oh my gosh. When that moment happens and you know they get it. Yeah. And then they tell their friend and they start giggling. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Um I I hesitate to tell this story because it's really sappy and it's I, I I'm gonna encourage you. Okay, I and and I and I'm I I'm j i am I just hesitate to I don't know. Um all right, I'll just so I had this exhibit at a children's um, museum a number of years ago. It's it's called the Idea Museum down in down in Mesa, Arizona, and it was a really nice exhibit. Um, they they did all the printing and like it was it, it was well done. And my wife and I were down there sort of for one of the opening opening nights um, of the, of the exhibit being up. <laughs> and this father comes in with his son who's in a wheelchair and I don't know what, what what his son's disability was but whatever it doesn't matter and they were taking it all in and I was watching them and this kid was so so excited by what he was seeing and eventually they kind of wheeled over towards where there was like this artist bio and my photo was was on it and they were looking at that and then they looked at me and the kid just and this is, almost sounds made up, but he looks at me and he just like looks up and he says, thank you. And it was so sincere. And, and I, re, I just remember like my wife and I just sort of 
walking away and finding a corner and like we both burst into tears <laughs> because this little kid, you know, just like it, it meant something to him to see art that was something he could understand and relate to. And it, it was probably one of the most, the sweetest, uh, most touching moments that I've had you know, describing what we were just talking about, people interacting with your art. So I know that's a sappy story, but it's like very memorable for me. And so anyway, it's... Danny, that's a great story. Don't apologize. And it's a great way to end this conversation, which is just the power of art. And you just don't know where it's going to land. And yeah. it's it's an amazing thing. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. Shelly, thanks very much for for having me on the podcast this is a real thrill this was great we did it <laughs> <laughs> so thank you everyone for hanging in as i had a wonderful chat with one of my idols on instagram danny newman you can find him at cantina danny or go check out the 365 at super newman's i will have links on the blog so you can find all that stuff if you if i got it wrong which i might have but uh yeah, we're gonna right. go with that and uh, make sure that you tell your friends if you enjoyed this podcast and rate us on all those places so other people can find us. You know the drill. This is not new. If you're watch, if you're listening to this, you're you uh, are a fan, and we appreciate you. So, thanks, Danny. Thanks everyone for listening, and we'll see you next time. Take care. Thanks, Shelley. Thank you, Danny. Thank you so much for listening. You can find new episodes of this podcast and articles on creativity and toy photography on our website, toyphotographers.com. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a five-star review. That will help spread the word about the show and help us get noticed. You can find us on Facebook at Toy Photographers, on Twitter at Toy Photo Blog, and on Instagram at underscore Toy Photographers underscore. But if you really want to connect with us, check out our MeWe community. You can find the link to it in the show notes for this episode and on the blog. This week's show is produced by Shelley Corbett and Christina Alexanderson. Music for this week's episode is courtesy of freemusicarchive.org, and our podcast editor is Josh Kittleson. I'm James Garcia. You can find me on Instagram at TheRealJames23. For everyone here at Toy Photographers, thanks for listening. See you next time.